All right, you should have that uh, that main uh, sheet that looks very long and daunting. It's just really meant to be an outline. I, uh, I did not prepare this like some sermon. It's not going to sound clean and crisp and beautiful like the sermon sounds. <laughs> but uh, it'll be choppy. I'm going to tether myself to this thing quite a bit. So if it seems awkward at times, that's okay. I'll be asking questions along the way. And um, I, it's intention for me in the future not to talk so much. This, this time I'll probably talk a lot more. And, and if we continue on at these quarterly things, uh, the last four will certainly be interactions. And maybe I can even you know, get some other people to share their speaking time because they have more expertise than I do. I definitely feel like... Uh, like, I'm a very small frog in a very small pond, and, um, yeah, no, it was a small pond, they gave more pond, Wisconsin, here. I mean, we're not in New York City or some place like that, thank goodness, but, uh, uh, not dealing internationally with anything, but I just always have this desire to want to encourage other frogs to, to swim, and a little, if I find out a little something, my, my, Tendency's always been, how can I share it with the next guy, right? If I know something or gone through something, maybe if I shared it with that person, they'll they'll be able to go through it or not be so nervous about entering into it. I do want to definitely tether myself, like I say, to this, but I want to start by uh, saying a, a prayer, and then I want to read two verses for you. Bob, you want to pray? Yeah. Lord, my God, as we come here today, we obtain knowledge and wisdom because your word is effective for all areas of life, Lord. So let your word be in us, let your wisdom be in us, and give us ears to hear what we are to hear today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, so the two verses I want to read are um, from, the first one's from Hebrews 1 2. And uh, I think they've become, for me, foundational to any discussion of wealth and uh, understanding of building up our own households in the world. Hebrews 1-2 talks about uh, Jesus Christ, and it's the one word in here that really strikes me. It says, uh, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also through whom also he created the world. And, and I think if we don't come to understand that Jesus is the heir of everything, all things created, everything that we're involved with in our lives, our children, our, our things, um, anything we bring to the table, he owns, and uh, he is the heir of all things. If we can get that in our heads, if we don't get it in our heads, if we don't already have it in how we do things and go about how we treat our money and stuff, then um, you have to learn this lesson yet because this is not about us garnering things for ourselves and storing them up for our own pleasure. This is much more than that. It's about Jesus owning it all and having inherited it all. And uh, the other thing is just a kind of a reaffirmation of that. Jesus says in uh, Matthew 28, verse 18, and Jesus came and said that all authority in heaven and earth has been 
given to me. Okay, so not only is he in parable things, but it's it's already the reality. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And uh, he is ruling and reigning now. And therefore, uh, that's how we need to think about our wealth and wealth creation. So uh, I think everybody kind of knows everybody, um, but maybe not. Why don't we just do this? I, I wanted to do this kind of kind of quickly. But just tell us who you are and um, uh, maybe what you're hoping to think about, what you're hoping to get from such a uh, such meetings. You know, right? We need one more uh, of those packets. There you go. And there is a uh, coffee coming up here. So let's work through this a little bit, and um, and then we'll uh, take a coffee break. We need a coffee. All right. So tell us who you are and what you're hoping, if anything, to get from these uh, things, these meetings. Lydia, why don't you start? I'm Lydia. You all know me. <laughs> And um, I'm here because uh, I've talked about this subject with my dad a lot, so I wanted to see how he presented it. <laughs> She's here as a constructive criticizer. <laughs> the notes. <laughs> okay, Andy and Jenny, we're here to learn about money and thinking about money and things. Yeah, and Andy's uh, just a, it's a case in point, very uh, knowledgeable, and the uh, and Jenny too, and the Dave Ramsey approach to getting out of debt and starting to build yield your wealth. Yeah, so we use that too. We get that freedom. Yeah, yeah. Leaving it quite a bit. You what? Leaving it quite a bit. Yes, yes, <laughs> and that and that's helpful to know that because there's a resource right here for uh, helping us get out of this. So, Scott Johnson. Uh, I want free money. You want free money? <laughs> Is that what you're hoping for here? Yeah. Okay. Are, you, are you giving it out? Are you giving it to me? No, no. But if somebody figures out where that tree is, we'll go ahead. Uh, Matt and Amanda, uh, we, uh, we want to know how to navigate through this, this our culture right now financially is to be able to make sure we're providing for our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren how to build that and how to teach that and work it. Yeah, no, that's where we're lacking up in the financial is how to put some connections in there. Okay. So uh, you don't feel like you've been prepared for that by your no. folks? No. Because no. of the way I'll treat it like you want to Yeah. Well, it's pretty much like Matt. We want to for ourselves and for our children to train properly and address money. season of my life, I always eager to learn how to take more wisely, use resources I was given. I played Paul from the field. <laughs> <laughs> you already went through winter once. Back, back, back to summer. Yeah, you said it perfectly. <laughs> At least the winter frost. Dave and Jess, um, we worked out the Dave Ramsey thing for that 
I think three people are here because I'm putting it on. I'm obligated. So I appreciate that. Yeah, she's out of Amen. I, I, yeah, in fact, so part, part of the reason, you know, that I wanted to do something like this, just kind of conversations I've had with, with Jason at times, and thinking, we should really get together and just kind of talk on things. Uh, my, my hope is that, you know, you know somebody who's done something before. I mean, uh, Georgine's been doing her own business for, for many years. David's been taking shifts in the direction of almost his own business because of because it's job decision season. <laughs> the next one, he's going to be running his own, I'm pretty sure. If, if um, but uh, yeah, other, most people make an income you know, in, in life, and, and that's um, sufficient, and they, they're wise with it, and they grow it. And, and, uh, and some people just kind of get by. Some people want to start a business, multiple businesses, some businesses on the side, some buy rental properties, and, and rent. Just stocks and, and all those kind of things. We'll we'll get into those more those things more in the future. Uh, but um, uh, I guess I'll just keep moving on. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tie myself to this. I'm just looking at a. Uh, why am I doing uh, these uh, these uh, wealth creation, Christ the heir of all things? Um, why talk about money and stuff? And I think it's because uh, in life we're supposed to seek the kingdom, seek the kingdom of Christ. Our households actually spend majority of our days working and, and building our households. You go to work, you're eight hours at work, uh, or ten hours at work, whatever the case is, you come home, you know, or may, maybe a lot more. Uh, but well, uh, well compensated for that. <laughs> you these guys work for the company. Uh, but um, uh, that's what that's what you do. And then you get home. What do you do? You're working on the house. You're you're trying to improve things that way. You're spending time with your kids. Your wife's home with them. Uh, she's she's working with your kids. And this is all building wealth. And so to act like um, wealth is an unchristian thing, or that it seems like a carnal or whatever, is 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 foolhardy. I mean, that's just foolishness. In fact, uh, Jesus um, is very interested. In what you do with your time and how you create wealth and how you use that wealth. It's his wealth. He's the heir of all things. And so this, this stuff is, is vitally important for us to discuss. For, for Christians to think that this is like spiritual or not worth investing in because Jesus is coming back soon or whatever other thing that they decided is, is almost like saying, you know what, most of my life I'm just going to live for me because... I'm just surviving or wanting to seek my pleasure or wanting to put some more um, eggs in my basket. And then those times that I'll actually uh, think about Jesus and pray and go to church, that's for him. He owns every square inch. He owns everything. He 
we've got to we've got to understand our work from that perspective. And it's really the only time you're going to find uh, satisfaction in your work when you start to understand its place in, in the bigger picture. I read somewhere that uh, Jesus preached and taught on money more than anything else other than the kingdom of heaven. That was the one thing that had more references in scripture when he spoke about the kingdom of heaven. Otherwise, it's, it's about money. It's about um, uh, things. Okay, so I'm going to share a little bit about what happened to us. And I'm going to share what, why it happened to us. I used to work for a company called Fast Lock. I used to work for Fast Lock for 13 years. It was a quality lock company throughout the nation into the world. And it was, um, it was a family-owned business. Right? I worked for just the rep in Wisconsin. I was a sales guy. I didn't start as a sales guy. I moved into sales. And, um, and I was happy doing that. I was making a decent income, you know, paying paying things down. You know, we bought a property up north. We moved up north. I was covering the western side of, of the state of Wisconsin, and uh, but Best Lock, the the family, the father turned the business over to the wrong son. He turned it over to like the black sheep playboy kind of guy, right? I'm not accusing him of being a philanderer or anything. But he turned it over to somebody who was not making decisions for the good of the family, for the good of the company, and the good of customers. He was kind of like, let's work hard, play hard kind of guy. Which, that kind of phrase makes me vomit. You know, like, work hard, play hard. Give me a break. What's that? It's your life model. It just makes me vomit. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but... What it did is, is, is he, he bought too many other companies. They, he overextended himself, and um, now he was in debt trouble. And, and he was needing to do whatever he could to become uh, more solvent to sell off Best Lock. And, um, and so what he ended up doing is letting a lot of people go throughout the offices, because they now owned all the offices at this point, throughout the United States. And so I was sitting there as a salesman getting a call from a customer saying, hey, where's that order that I placed with you a while back? And I, and I go, what order? And he says, no, you know, it's like a, two padlocks, uh, five cords, and a couple of keys. And I don't even remember the order because it was so simple so long ago that I go, I don't know. Let me check check on it. And what they, what they would do is they'd have to go around the office, which once had 26 people in it, and I was down to like, 18 or, or, or 17, and they'd find the order somewhere on someone's desk under a stack of other things, right? And, and it was like, you got to be kidding me. And this was happening happening daily. And I, I was feeling like the ship was not able to, to hold me up anymore. And so I decided then that I need, I need to find something else. My heart's been, been beating to teach, teach about the Lord, teach theology for years. I've been reading and, and before this reading and, and understanding and maybe sharing with, with people. And so I, uh, I thought, maybe this is, this is the moment. And so I called Larry Meyer up, and I said, hey, Larry, is there anything out there that you know, might, might be a fit for me? And he said, uh, well, there's, uh, there's a little church in Elto that looks like they're on the death line. I mean, they've dealt with very few people. And, um, 
and they've been thinking about joining with another church or two, but um, I don't know, maybe they'll entertain the idea of, of you um, becoming the pastor. So I came down, eager to, to the possibility that this might be a new thing. Whether I got paid a lot or not, I wasn't so concerned about that. Some kind of a livable wage would, would, would help, and, and they, they did come up with that. So I, uh, I did a, little, a couple of, maybe one preaching time, and then met with the council. And at that time, it was, uh, your dad was on council, but he was not there that time. And uh, in fact, I think he was working still to try to get the Living Hope or, or the URC thing to work, you know? So I think whatever they decided, he was like, what? <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm not supposed to pursue this anymore, you know, or whatever. And uh, um, so, but Don Middlestad was on that council. Gerald Alton was on that council. And these guys were all like, they were elders, but they were people with businesses or, or, or people who worked for, for a living. And I was the guy coming in from my own little career, coming in, and, um, and they hired me on. And say, okay, well, we can come up with this for you and this for you. I thought maybe I can still work part time for Best, and so my insurance would be covered. But Best would have nothing to do with that. We don't want any part time salesperson. So um, the church actually provided uh, me with a, a, a sizable income, especially for the state that they were, that we were in, and insurance. You know, and I got to live in Carthage. So it was beautiful, and it went that way for a while. But I got burdened by the idea that. You know, an elder should be apt to teach. All, all the elders should kind of be sharing this burden together. And so uh, it was the idea of a plurality of elders that really stuck with me. Like, how do we get to a plurality of elders? So, like, you know, Frank is teaching, and Gerald is, is teaching. And whether it's a Sunday school or a Bible study or the pulpit, I, it didn't matter. But elders should be really sharing this burden together. I felt like the church had become not here only, just in general, more like a quarterback with good linemen, right? Well, who's the person that everyone, you know, talks about and expects to do something? It's the quarterback. You know, the linemen are just there to support them. Or Santa and his elves. It's like, I, this, is not, this is not right. This does not seem biblical to me. And so that idea haunted me. And I thought, but the only reason, or the only way I could ever expect, and, and I don't think my dad would ever take me, Trust me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nor Gerald. Well, Gerald maybe he did something, but um, in in any case, uh, the only way I could really expect them to share some of the burdens of teaching in, in a sense and leading as pastors, pastor elders, is if I if I shared with them my income, right? make it make it more of a stipend pay for the time you do your preparations, etc. That means I need to go out and get my own source of income that I can depend on. So I, uh, I uh, started going down that road, and my original thought was, uh, hey, lift that, that big, big one up. My original thought was, I could do copywriting. And there was this course by a guy that I really respected, Michael Masterson, which you'll hear of him more than once. Uh, and I started going through this course. I think, I know, I can write copy, which is basically doing advertising for existing businesses. And I wouldn't have to leave the house. I mean, I could be in the, in the parsonage office. It isn't really going to be a big cost thing. I paid for the course. And then it's just a matter of paper and pencil or, or typing some thoughts out. 
And so I was really starting to pursue that because that might be my alternative source of income. I can work in bees. Or, well, at the time, there was a family coming to church, Matthew Lommel. Some of you remember Matt and Irma and the kids. And he was coming to church, and he was without work. So I'm going to help him out. This is how I try to like, just keep showing people, keeping people going. And, uh, so I, I, I said, you should be a locksmith. Maybe that's that's an angle for you. You could start your own locksmithing business. I'm like, that would be interesting. You know, so I set up uh, an appointment with uh, with Matt and me and uh, Tom Ripp. Some of you know Tom Ripp. <coughs> he was in church a couple Sundays ago. And I said, Tom, I want you, because Tom will give you the shirt off his back. You know, if he, if he thinks you need something and he's got it, he, he will get it for you. And especially when it comes to locksmithing. <laughs> There's no topic he loves better than locks. And so Tom uh, met with us at Carlos O'Kelly's. And I said, okay, here we go. Matt and Tom, put these two together. Tom will probably train them, you know, all in. But as Tom came to the, to the meeting, um, he brought with him a piece of paper. And, and on the piece of paper was, uh, was this... Uh, it was a, a printout of a website for Marshall Vest Security. Marshall Vest Security? What in the world is that? It sounds like Vest almost. He says, no, this is one of the sons, one of the good brothers. <laughs> you know, who, in fact, that, that black sheep, work hard, play hard brother, drove his family out of the business. I mean, he drove them out. He divorced his wife. Things did not go well for him at the time. But one of the good sons, Marshall, I, I, I say that right, the good sons. I mean, he, was, he wasn't the other one. He, he decided, I want to start a lock company back up and go after those customers that have been let down for the last 70 years or whatever it is at that point. And so I thought, huh, you know, a little light bulb comes up because a lot of times God does things in a way that really makes sense for your history. So copywriting isn't necessarily the answer. I'm thinking to myself, maybe they could use an independent rep in Wisconsin, you know? And so I, I sent an email off to info at <laughs> marshallbestsecurity.com. And, uh, and I got a reply from Steve Sharp, their sales manager. He says, yeah, he, you know, because I told him, hey, I was a sales guy. I worked in western Wisconsin for 13 years. I, I know customers. I don't know if you're interested in setting up some kind of an arrangement. And Steve Sharp, you know, emailed me. Yeah, yeah, we'll be interested. Call me up, talk to me. And he says, we're just kind of curious. We want to come out, me and Marshall. And, and meet some of those customers, kind of probably, you know, go back and forth or whatever, whatever, make sure I was the real deal. And so I said, yeah, yeah, whatever. I set up a couple of appointments. They came out and met me in Madison. We went to the UW. Um, um, Tom Rift was not there at that time. Uh, Howard Ward was the, you know, I mean, not the first, one of my customer buddies, right? And so I introduced them, and they were like, okay, yeah, this Purcell seems like he's, he's a good guy, good enough guy. And, and what they had done is set up reps throughout the nation, about seven of them, and they had paid them $70,000 each per year to establish their own rep territory. And, and, and an independent rep, okay, is, is this person, anything sold in, they say, California, if, if you're the rep for California, anything Marshall Best sold into California has to go through you. So anybody, a customer, any hardware supplier or construction guy, they got to come to you to buy the product. Okay, so you mark it up, you make your money on it. Marshall Best sells to you, you sell to other people. So 
This was the arrangement I was going for. I said, 70,000, no, you don't gotta pay me a cent. I know that if your product is good, we can make, make a go of it, right? I said, but it would be helpful if you gave me some business cards, so on and so forth. Commercial best, okay? It would be helpful if you could come up with some business cards, a sample of a lot, um, uh, some literature catalog or two, and then uh, it'd be really helpful if I had a laptop or something. I didn't have one at the time, and I could keep you know, business stuff separate from church stuff. So they were like, okay. They went back, talked to Dave, uh, talked to the other couple players at Marshall Best, and one of the guys said, I don't know about this. I'm like, part-time, a part-time rep, you know? And, and he was kind of like, you know, maybe if he wrote up a three to five year <laughs> you know, I, I was a sales guy. I'm not the businessman. But what's a three to five year plan? So I'll write up a three to five year plan. How I think I could see this working. Right? So I wrote it up, and Dave was his name. Uh, he signed off. Yeah, okay, we'll give it a shot. It didn't cost him anything but the materials I had mentioned. And then I just started going up uh, three days a week. I got a figure three days a week, I'll be out and about. The other two on Saturday, I'll be church prepping. and. Sunday worship, etc. And Bob wasn't part of this picture yet. Okay, so we're, we're out and about, and I'm getting orders. Okay, so I'm thinking, okay, we gotta we gotta be able to pin our own chords, okay, cut our own keys and do all that stuff. I'm not gonna have Marshall Bass do that for me. So I've got Lydia in the parsonage basement pinning cores and cutting keys. Okay, she's the first real employee. Uh, I don't know that we even paid you much, really, but. <laughs> But she just kept smiling, so we just kind of moved ahead. <laughs> and then, and then when the locks came in by UPS or whatever, um, I, I, I uh, had them in the garage, so that was like the warehouse, you know. And then the office was the office. So when customers and I were talking, I said, "Oh, let me get back. I'll place this as an order. It'll go through production, which is her in the basement, right? And and uh, I'll see if we got any. And and I don't know if I called it the warehouse or whatever." You know. In stock, which would mean checked in the garage, Lydia. See if there's an old <laughs> But, but this is, I mean, yeah, I mean, and they knew, I knew what what um, I could do. I knew what we could do as far as the, you know, the brass tacks go. But I didn't know the business very much. I, I had to learn that like completely. QuickBooks, what's that, right? Well, that's vital. That's a vital piece of our whole uh, puzzle there. So um, I went out and I was driving along and I stopped at one customer and I probably won't get into the reasons of this. I'll share this at another time in the future. But uh, needless to say, it felt really good. I was coming back on a Friday just smiling to myself. It was a nice like uh, autumn day sunshine, you know, thinking this is putting me back, my feet back in my shoes again. Where the congregation's feet are, how helpful is that? They go every day. This is the stuff they got to deal with. How do I incorporate a pastoral elder sense to in being in the workplace and yet coming and worshiping with God's people and doing all the things that, that we're supposed to be about? So um, the the idea that that God brought this made a lot more sense to who I was, to what my history. And the idea of starting my own business, I'll just get to that real quick. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, okay? This is part of me being his workmanship. I, I don't believe.
listen to books as I drove on tape. It's that tape back then, right? I'd be driving, uh, covering my territory, listening to books on business, listening to books about, you know, I listen to these Jean Lacare or whatever, two mysteries and stuff. But I'd listen to the how-to self-help books, organizing your time books, books on business. And even, even back then, I remember thinking, I could sell that. Why do I need to work for a company if I could sell that thing? You know, could I get the support? You know, could I could I get pricing? Could I would I have customers trusting me in a business? Those are all questions that need to be answered and, and, and grow over time, perhaps. But I always kept thinking, specialized books. I could sell that on my own. Why why do I want why do I want to keep working for someone? So some of those business entrepreneur type you know seeds were sown decades ago, and it came to fruition. These are the, the tools that they gave me, okay? There's the, the laptop, the old laptop, a sample mount, business card, and uh, their catalog. So uh, let me see where I'm at here. Second chunk. Yeah, yeah, I got you. We, we came, uh, we, we came and we started, I didn't, get, I didn't get the money like the other reps did, but not only one of them is with us today. They all kind of, I don't know if they laid on their couches too long or what they did, but they weren't, they weren't helping me and, and, and helping them, I should say. And, uh, and we did, I mean, what I could, time-wise, I uh, had to kind of like allocate time to different, you know, different parts of my life. But we, we became, within about, uh, I think, five years, the largest Marshall Best uh, security corp buyer in, in, of all the buyers. So we have made, uh, made good, good use of, of what God gave us and, and blessed it. I think we've been a blessing to customers. Um, uh, I'll show you some kind of funny slides in a little bit. So let's go to uh, Roman numeral one. Wealth creation, man's purpose in the kingdom of what is wealth, first of all? Okay, because I think we all come here with one idea in our heads, and it's a legitimate idea, but I think it's much more than, than how we might come here. The Bible refers to it as prosperous life, right? Wealth is prosperous life. Um, when God blesses, we gain wealth, and we gain it by children. Children are a source of, of what we would call wealth, knowledge. Is wealth, wisdom, things are wealth, authority, a good name. These are all things of value, things that we should be regularly pursuing. Hey, how you doing? Jeremy, uh, we introduced each other already. So, uh, yeah, no, no issues. Uh, I think there's a chair we'll pull up, and if somebody can cough up one of their, uh, their uh, uh, sheets, we can. That's my wife right there that you're going to be sitting next to. <laughs> Jeremy is, uh, um, you work for uh, John Deere, right, in market? In market. Yeah, what's your, what's your position again? Uh, R&D. Okay, research. Yeah, very good, very good. Uh, there's a potential another job for you there, Andy, if you ever get tired of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't work for the So if you take a look, we're down to uh, Proverbs 3, 
And uh, you, you see God blessing and, and, and it, it equating in everything from children, land, property, um, goods, knowledge, wealth. These are all blessings of God. And you see it time and again throughout Scripture. This isn't, uh, oh, you just pick a verse. You can go almost anywhere in Scripture. And good things are happening to people uh, uh, based upon respect for God and, and obedience to him. And when people don't, they turn away, all of a sudden these things get taken away. These, the good things get taken away. You, you get war, you, you, you lose your crops, you know, your, your children uh, die or, or forsake you or, or whatever else the case is. Proverbs 3 is just a one example. You can't see this. If you turn in your Bibles to it, you could. I'll read it. Just, just a couple of portions of it. My son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Length of days is a good thing. That's a blessing, right? Uh, years of life, peace they will add to you. That's a blessing to live a life of peace. Verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your pr produce. Important, we'll get to that at the end. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Those are not just uh, metaphorical ideas. Of course, it's a nice metaphor, too. But the idea that uh, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats bursting with wine is used as a positive thing because that is a positive thing. That is a blessing of God, okay? And to ever treat it like as, it, as if it's not a blessing or a curse or... It's neutral. It's foolishness. It's, it's against what Scripture has, has always taught, right? Blessed, verse 13 through 18, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. So what's better than silver and gold? Wisdom. Yeah, I knew that. She is more precious than jewels, not Amanda, wisdom. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life, okay, the image from the garden. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. I remember as a young Christian man, first thing I said, is I got deceived. I grew up a life until I was, wasn't much of a life, until I was a freshman in college, just totally oblivious to Christ being real. I went, we went to church here, Lutheran church, you know, and so on. It just didn't mean much other than Sunday. But I, I just got to a point when I, you know, convicted of sin, repented of sin, all of a sudden I felt like this is what life is supposed to be about. I really feel like, you know, this is, this is what, what have I been missing? I have been hoodwinked. I hoodwinked myself, you know. And so I kept asking for kids at the Bible study, meeting Christians. I didn't even know who a Christian was for sure at that point because I thought I was one. And then I started thinking, I was hearing conversations like, man, that's Christian. I want to go talk to them, you know. And so I'd start meeting people that way in college. And the first guy I met was like a, I looked like a motorcycle rider. His name was Scott Haywood. And he was like rocking a big weird mustache. And I'm thinking, hey, are you guys Christians? And he went like this to me. 
<laughs> Where is this going? You know. But I thought, well, I just, I, I'm a Christian. I want to, I want to get to know, you know, people. So, but whenever we like to get a little small groups, I say, I just say, pray. You know, what do you, what do you, what's your prayer request? You know, what do they all share for this? Pray for wisdom. I want wisdom. You know, because I was starting to read the Proverbs, thinking, this is some really good, important, valuable stuff. And I've just been a whole life without really understanding it the way I should. So, I, I just kept asking people. And then I spent a lot of time in Proverbs. I took the advice, whatever day of the week, a month it is, read that proverb today. You know, okay, I'll do that. And there's little notes written down. So, and then the last one, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. So, this is just a problem. I mean, there is just... Loads of stuff. God blesses. Good comes from it. God curses. Bad comes. It's good for God's kingdom, but it's bad for the person, the people upon whom it comes. So, I, I just so you know, Jeremy, I'm tying myself to this thing, so it's not a prepared sermon. And then I'll tell you, those sermons are excellent. <laughs> 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 Okay, last uh, point on that page. God's blessing versus God's cursing. God can be for your wealth creation, or he can be against it. You decide in a lot of those cases. Do you want God against your wealth creating? You just go about life as if it's all for you. And, and watch watch how things change. And if you look at Deuteronomy 28, that's the, the, the chapter where you got the, the Levites and the Levites, I think, calling out to the people one One's calling out to a mountain of blessing of God, and the other is calling out from the mountain of the warning of cursing from God. It's a great chapter. You should read it. But just really quickly here, uh, looking at this paragraph. God can be for your wealth creation or against it. Deuteronomy 28. This is key. Obey the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 1. Blessed will be in the city and the field. Verse 3 says, fruit of the womb, crop, cattle, increase. Verse 4, basket and eating bowl. Verse 5, enemies will be defeated. Verse 7, barns and all that you undertake. Verse 8, prosperity. He will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give rain in its season and bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend but not borrow. Verse 12, head and not the tail if you obey the commandments of the Lord. Verse 13. So, I got this is a second for a question. That you, I want you to think about and just share if you feel comfortable. Can you think of a time in your life when you've had problems because of your priorities? That you're comfortable sharing. <laughs> in other words, in your soul, you were giving some things too much attention that you shouldn't have been. I certainly had different priorities before I had the kid. When we got married, I was still, you know, when we got married, I didn't have any sort of thought about having a big group um, spiritually, you know, how to navigate through life. Um, just tension for me. And then we, we both were planning on having a big group of God in the house. Um, and we were going to set the tone 
want to see the economic paradigm change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for the better. I mean, yes. Yeah. It's grown me quite a bit as a man. What's been uh, one of the biggest uh, things that changed the, the priorities in your life? Maybe on the children's side. What What did you hear or see? Or um, I guess the, the reason I go to work, really, I mean, um, when we first got married, obviously, it was, you know, we want to have money, so we're not, you know, living a lower status, I guess, and mm -hmm. struggling by, you know, trying to find a better, be good at my trade. Um, but once we had kids, Started to realize the importance of not not just making sure they're cared for now, but you know I'm not always going to be around. And just some conversations I would have with my grandmother and how she was raised, I would kind of glean from that. Like, you know, this is we're playing a long term game here. So you'd be thinking back on your grandma when you were starting to think like about how she did things. Um, how my great grandmother and great grandfather did things, and just you know weighing the scales of how I was taught like. Jesus is coming back soon to worry about him. Like, well, if my great grandfather had that idea in his head, where would I be? Yeah. Because my great grandparents on my mom's side didn't really think that way. They were feeding into their kids and trying to make them through the struggle. My great grandmother didn't have a lot of money. And my grandma still has a habit of wanting to know how to do it. Mm. The lesson that she has. That's how I. Kids have a way of growing you up in yeah. a positive and loving fashion. Second one may have been the economics. <laughs> yeah, Chrissy? Oh, I'm just no, laughing. No, 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 the other Chrissy. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you're dead to it. This is this is what I'm told to do. I'm doing it, and, and I'll I'll only reap good things if I do what's right versus what's wrong. Yeah, and just like you said, like not only is it like not only is that like the economic system, but that's the priority of the person who has the money to make the decision. Yeah. I think I've had multiple moments in my twenties where I don't know. I try to reassess my life. <laughs> pretty regularly and, you know, look at my priorities and goals. But I think I've had multiple times in my 20s where just, you know, existing and then looking at some of my friends and going like, I feel like I'm friends with pretty responsible, God-honoring people. But I do think a lot of us have kind of bought into the, the lie without realizing it that like, a lot of millennials, I guess, maybe have been fed where it's like, oh, we're still kids. And, you know, we're going to be young forever. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm 30 and I realize that's young to a lot of people. But, like, I'm not a kid anymore. I haven't been a kid for a long time, you know. And what a, what a weird kind of attitude we have in the culture right now. And I think any time I've really kind of dealt with that and assessed, it's helped 
push me further into more responsibilities or into doing, I don't know, things that I've not even realized I've pushed off kind of a thing, you know, so helpful, I guess. It's been helpful. Good. I will take any more. Let me move on just for the sake of keeping score. I, I read a book. Oh, no, it's coming up later. I do know, I do, I do do this, and I uh, do do. Uh, I encourage you to think about it. I, I know sometimes I've gotten like, are you kidding me? When things go terribly bad, I mean, everything's like hitting the fan. It's like, I stop then and go, am I doing something wrong? Mm -hmm. I mean, is the Lord trying to, to tell me something with these uh, curse type uh, or disciplinary, maybe would be a good word to use, type of scenarios that I need, to sh I need to shape some stuff up. And I haven't been paying attention, and then it's almost like he needs to like head slap me to get my attention or to get my... I, I do that, and um, I recommend it. Uh, not that you have to you know, become the person who's whipping yourself every time something doesn't go right. Things are used as trials, and those are all you know, those are good things too. I mean, someone got hung upside down on the cross, right, and, and died a martyr. It wasn't because he was doing something wrong. So... Take, take, take the perspective there on that. I thought this was a great quote, just to give you an idea of this wealth again. This is a R.J. Rush Dooney. It's from a book called Informed Faith, Position Papers He Wrote. Book, three volumes of just position papers he wrote. Highly recommend it. I'll read it because you can, probably can't see it back there. The idea of wealth has changed from age to age, and the concept of poverty also. Felipe Aries, in the hour of our death, a New York, um, Alfred Knopf, uh, uh, notes that in the Middle Ages, wealth was not seen as the possession of things. Rather, it was identified with power over men, whereas poverty was identified with solitude. Each concept of wealth creates its own culture and its own advantages and problems, which might comment to your thoughts on millennials these days and the concept of this. Later, wealth was identified with cultivated lands and houses, and the wealthy families of Europe were not necessarily rich in money, but in land and in castles or manor houses. Whatever gold or silver they acquired went into furthering their landed wealth. This attitude carried over into colonial America, and as rapidly as possible, bullion wealth, gold and silver, which was in excess of current needs, was turned into utensils. Much of Paul Revere's work in silver represented such assets made for his contemporaries. In times of need, the silver teapots, trays, and other items were simply melted down into bullion for monetary use. So, my silver's not so valuable at the moment, let's make teacups and stuff out of them, you know, but we'll still have it for when it becomes valuable again and melt it down and trade with it as silver. The Industrial Revolution redefined wealth. Capital wealth was less and less land and houses and more and more the means of production. It meant mines, ships, railroads, looms, and, and mills and the like. The, the social standard was still the older one, and the new capitalists, as they grew wealthy, bought country estates and married their children to the older families in order to gain status. So you still had old wealth people, but now all of a sudden the Industrial Revolution brought people in the wealth that never had it before. 
So they'd end up kind of getting the taste and flavor of it. And had their children marry the old one to them and uh, carry on. P.T. Barnum, one of my favorite guys to read about biography-wise, he, he, he always had this thing because he became very rich and very influential as a, as a showman in, in New York. And he uh, always had a problem because he, they never really, well, I think there's a movie they made recently that even showed this. He was never really accepted into the wealthy circles. He was always the guy that they wanted to go do the dirty way. And so it always bothered him. So um, I wanted to read that citation as something to think about for point A, which was uh, what is wealth? The Bible refers to it as a prosperous life. What is its purpose? Whenever you think of it, people spend most of their days working and pursuing things to pertain, to, uh, pertaining to it. Jesus said, look carefully then how you walk. Uh, oh, sorry, this was an apostle. Look carefully then how you walk, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Paul said that in Ephesians. We spend a lot of time tending to our work and to our households. We should really see it from this more godly perspective. I uh, have a, a picture on our dining room wall. I showed this in a sermon once before. It was by this guy, Massey, from whatever, Florentine age. And it's about a, a man and his wife. It's called the money changer and his wife. And he's sitting in this thing. And, and, and the art is done in such a way that he looks, the, their fingers are spindly. And, and it looks like they're giving too much time and attention to money when she's got a, a, a religious book there that she should be spending more time paying attention to. This is the artist's intention. Uh, you can see there's a little mirror here. There's a cross reflected in the mirror. And it's, uh, supposedly, that's the picture of the artist reflected uh, from outside the window kind of a thing. But the idea is that this was a great temptation. And then I got this you know, big picture that we ordered to have in our dining room just to remind us, this is not why we're doing what we're doing. It's not about the money. And if we ever get to the point where that's become so important to us, you know, building the extra silo, Killing it or whatever, be careful uh, because your, your life is going to be expected to be this way or that way. I don't want to go down that road. This is really all got to be understood. Our, our wealth has got to be seen from Christ's kingdom perspective. He's the heir of all things. Doesn't mean there's great things you can do with it, but you will enjoy a lot of those things, very likely. Just don't uh, hit the cart before the horse. Wealth is created by man's dominion tasks, okay? And we're supposed to get it by our work. In fact, it says, let him who does not work not eat in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. I think this should be a warning to governors of the family, governors of the church, and governors of the state to not put money in and, and provide for people who are unwilling to work. Okay, we see that a lot in the last year or two. But it's been a, a, an incessant, regular problem for a humanistic state like our own to keep giving gifts to people, assuming that it's going to help buy things. I don't think. But maybe there are other reasons as well. Same thing with your own children, though. Don't just keep letting them off doing some of the things you've got to do. And in the church, 
it kind of drives me drives me nuts sometimes when the, the greatest church outreaches are are meant to be like well let's just go around raking everybody's leaves. It's like well why well, what is what's what's the purpose of that? Well then they don't have to rake leaves. They'll think we're nice. Okay, but it's their home. They got leaves on their grass. Are you really providing a service? Service? I mean, is this something that someone who's in need? You are you're there to try to help them meet their need? Well, no. It's you know, I mean, but this has been kind of a church mentality um, in the last couple of decades that these are outreaches. And, and I'm not trying to step on any toes here because we've all been involved in places and churches that have done those things. Maybe uh, you are even right now. But it's like, why rake someone's grass for the uh, lawn for them? when they can do it themselves, why not spend your time doing something more productive for someone who's truly in need? I had an interaction recently with a person uh, locally who's got this network of people that support them helping build houses, or fix houses, and do repairs and stuff in the name of Christ. And I'm thinking, well, that sounds good on the surface, but whose, whose houses are you fixing? You know, has God allowed a house to go to decay because they haven't been working? You know, I mean, what kind of questions are you asking here? Or is it just a do-good, a do-goodism, you know, that you're hoping Christ might get some points for that or something? I, I just think we've got to be a little bit more wise. Let's not, as the church, become like the state who just wants to give things away without asking questions and thinks that they're There's a little bit of cynicism in there. Thinking everybody's really that bad. Uh, wealth to use on what? I have uh, just had a recent conversation. Okay, why why am I doing this? Who am I going to leave it to? I had a recent conversation with my dentist's wife. She was actually at the reception desk, and she's got a son. He's he's a single son. He's he's uh, I think he's in his mid twenties or something. He's an engineer working for. Uh, a group of engineers that does a lot of paper mill uh, construction. And uh, she goes, I don't know, I keep asking him. I think she's more eager for him to be married than he is. But I keep asking, you know, well, have you met anybody new? I don't even know. And, and, and he goes, oh, no, Mom, I haven't. You know, I just, I'm just kind of busy working and, and so on. She goes, he goes to a mega church, you know, so there's a lot, a lot of people there. And, you know, again, some kind of single study and so on. But there's nobody that's really like, uh, eh, he's got work to do. He, he'll leave the meeting and he'll go about his life. He goes, what about our work? What about work? He goes, well, there's two ladies at work. One's a, one's a secretary receptionist and another one's a, the uh, accountant. They're both married. What do you want me to do about this? <laughs> and I'm traveling. And, and so, but he, he, he did tell her, he goes, he gets to one point where he says, you know, he bought a house, paying down his house. He goes, why am I doing this? What am I, what am I doing it for? And it's almost like he feels like I got nobody I'm leaving it to, nobody I'm enjoying it with, and um, and maybe that's the wrong question. Okay, maybe maybe he needs to see himself where he is. As I'm doing this for Christ. There's benefits for Christ in this, but I I, I know from his heart he wants to get married. He'd like to have children. It's just been the case, you know. So, um, how would you answer? I think everybody's life needs to be 
oriented towards Christ. And if you feel like you're not, then find ways to utilize your time and your resources for Christ's kingdom. You don't have to be married to do that. You don't have to be single to do that. We all have different time allotments at different times and stages of our life, different amounts of time, amounts of wealth we can put towards different things. And if you're feeling like you aren't and God is not involved in your life and you're just kind of growing your own little kingdom over here, then you need to right the bow of your ship. So even if it looks different than maybe your parents or, or how you would have pictured it being or, you know, what the other Christians in your life look like, that doesn't mean that it's can't be utilized for God. God uses us all. Amen. And I think even you can even be so waiting to just have this this wife and children and dog and all this. Like that's become almost an idol in itself. And yeah, exactly. If you're not living for Christ, then you're living for this other thing, and life cannot be complete until you have it. Well, you're living for maybe the American dream or the nuclear family or or what? I mean, not that those things aren't good blessings, but there's a lot of different lives to live and. I think that kind of ties in with what I was trying to express with like the millennial mindset is where they're waiting for someone to shake them and say, start your life. A lot of the people that I know. And it's like, no one's going to do that for you. Yeah. You know, like you, you just got to do it. <laughs> yeah. You got to up and, and make some decisions. Mm-hmm. Yourself, I, I know our daughter, Sarah, she always said, why am I not meeting somebody? Why am I not meeting them? Now she found a church family and she's, Focusing on, I have or to something. have something. Yes, I have. Why am I not finding somebody? Now she's focusing on, you know, a church family and that and stuff instead of that mm-hmm. larger family. We are supposed to be building a household that seeks Christ, even if we're individual people in our own individual household. We still come from households. It's still, it's still part of what we do. And then the church is a church, uh, a household of households, if we see it that way. One of the one of the uh, verses that really stuck in my head all the time when I was first becoming a Christian, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, a lot of that, that that whole verse seems like it's geared toward, you know, you worry, don't worry about what you're going to eat, you know, provide it, don't worry about this, you'll have that too. Like these are all things I can have, but it really the point of it is to seek first His kingdom. Those things. You know, it's almost like he'll take care of the rest in, in, in a way. Um, and that just burned in my seat. He first came to God and these things uh, shall be added unto you. Not, not because you want things, just because you want to seek him first. And then, uh, however he, he has decided you fit into this mosaic of, of his kingdom, you might be the, the richest um, person in, in the community, you, you might just get by. Just keep investing in where you're supposed to be uh, investing. I will say, and it says the next point, uh, without human capital, family wealth is a bust. Okay? Children are a blessing and our greatest investment. Proverbs 13, 22. Did you believe that? Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, 
but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Okay. Uh, I, I have felt uh, that uh, if you have not invested in who your children are and are becoming, then don't worry about investing in a lot of your other stuff. Okay, because you're not going to leave an inheritance to a bunch of bunch of schleps or price payers. That would be a big that would be a big waste. They don't love the Lord themselves and not uh, learning to become better people in, in the earth, then you've lost already. Forget the money. Just focus on your kids again or your grandkids or wherever, wherever you are in life. Uh, they are a great blessing, but human capital, okay, that's what that's what one of the books I read was, was called Your Own Children, My Own Descendants. They're human capital, okay? You worry not so much about the capital of things, you worry more about human capital. Uh, if, if, if you were designing your inheritance to be left to people who would just uh, uh, let it away, what a waste. We actually went so far as to set up a trust, a trust that owns the business, a trust that owns what we call capital properties, a trust that owns everything. And right now, the kids are all like voting members on this council. They're voting members. Uh, Tracy and I get two votes each, and then each each of the children get a vote. So it's four to four if we completely parents and children disagree. But the idea is they are um, they are owners right now, and and the lawyer who is setting up the trust. I'm sure you want to do that. I've seen many cases where end of life, you know, kids turn against their parents or they're fighting between each other. I said, listen, that's what happens because we we see this trust as being a vehicle moving generations, not something that's going to be, okay, here's your $25,000, Susie, here's your $25,000, Fred, have fun with it. That's foolishness. That is not thinking kingdom of Christ. That's foolishness. But if we build this vehicle that they can keep like, having to be responsible for, and if we train them up correctly, look out, this could be, this could be world changing. This could become older money. Again, small, small clause and but that's what we decided to do. And when the lawyer was asking questions and going, you know, sharing his concerns, I said to him, if, if we, uh, and by the way, this is an interesting story, I'm going to give you. If, if, if we've lost our kids, <laughs> uh, and, 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 they, and they ruin all this, we lost them. We have no kids. Like, if we don't train up our children the way they should go, um, then it doesn't really, then that money doesn't matter. So, Human capital, that's that's going to be one of your greatest, greatest uh, sources of wealth. Do you exist without money and things as long as someone pays for you? Okay. You can exist without money and things. And, and thankfully, some people commit their life so much to be uh, doing the work of Christ, to be missionaries, etc. that we want to pay for them. You know, we want them to keep doing some of these things. There is, I think, I think I can think of one or two pastors that I know that I'd, I'd love for them to just keep doing pastoring stuff, teaching, writing books, etc. Just keep giving them money. Don't have them get distracted with anything else. The rest, they should all get a job. I mean, almost. There should be a lot more. There should be a lot more uh, job pursuing uh, expectations. Uh, we build up our households. Proverbs thirty-one speaks speaks of much more than a good woman. Okay, we always hear about Proverbs thirty-one. Uh, just turn to that real quick. Proverbs 31. 
make no mistake, uh, all these weird ideas that I've had and, and, and run with, um, I hear uh, about how much it's not probably a good idea for my wife, and that's that can be healthy for me to hear that half that the half the glass is half empty for Sal. What are you thinking? Yeah, but do you see where that water line is? Okay, this is us in in, in a nutshell. And about every time that I have actually said, well, I think we need to do it, and stepped out, this is what she's doing. She's doing the stuff alongside of us, okay? Gap of property is that part of, you know, what we've, we've got put together. That's all her. I mean, she's done all of that, any kind of buying, purchasing decision. She's, she's done a lot of that. We can make decisions as a gap of council, you know, but... Gapple Properties falls on her shoulders completely. And she's not doing that here. This is Gapple Securities, which she's working on here. So trust me, uh, I am so grateful to, uh, to, to have her as a Proverbs 31 for our household type, type of lady. She doesn't want me to say that. God's picture of man's peace on earth, okay? God has this picture. Every man is vine and fig tree. This is a beautiful, beautiful idea of Micah 4 4, okay? We work for Christ's as a church. Okay, Christians, we should be working for Christ's continual reversing of the curse. This is what advancing the kingdom is meant to accomplish. We, we want to see Eden restored, right? And, and it is being restored in the earth, in time, by Jesus Christ from the right hand of the Father. We work to see Eden reestablished in history. The wolf will lay with the lamb. The nursing child will play over the hole of the cobra, etc. Isaiah 11, 1. This is the purpose of your wealth and mine. It should be going towards these ends. Trade and interaction between people and their household should be better, uh, be better to each person's condition in the kingdom. This is for true for companies and customers. This goes for employees and employers too. I am very rewarded whenever I feel like payday has come and we can pay people. And, and, and actually some of these uh, people in the company are able to provide for their own households. What a, what a great and, and, and wonderful thing that is. That is something that is not like, I mean, giving, right? It's, it's an interaction, it's an agreement that's being made, you know, a contracted agreement of sorts. This is how much I'll pay you, this is how much, you know, I'll work for you if you pay me, and, um, it, but it's a great thing to, to think that God has created this business that has, has maintained and cared for and been part of multiple households. That's that's really neat. Plus, there's charitable giving that, that we also get from, from that. Do not give Christ's wealth to those who would abuse his purposes. Do not give his wealth to the promoters of sin. I hold in contempt, and I've told a couple of you this already, George Soros, okay, who is a very extremely rich and wealthy man who uses that wealth, which is whose wealth? It's Christ's wealth for wicked purposes. I pray against him. I think that money should be taken and scraped right out of his hands in one way or another. And, and all those who would live in such a diabolical way using their wealth He's just a rich example of that here from the Old Testament. <laughs> Who use their wealth against the kingdom of God. 
The ultimate question is asked in Luke 12, 13 to 21, the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Especially pointed is verse 21. This is how we'll be with, with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. And um, that Luke passage, Luke 12, Luke passage to 12, 13 through 21 is the uh, oh, it's the parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, No, no man need judge what I prepared over you. And he said to him, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. The things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is what, what one lays up a treasure. This is a the bottom line, right? That's that's our tombstone. Wonderful, isn't it? Kids think it's morbid. Say, hey, you want to go <laughs> up and visit our tombstone? <laughs> this is the most helpful reminder to say, you ain't leaving it here. You know, I mean, you're leaving it here, I should say. You ain't taking it with you. You better have done good with it and left it in good hands, right? Because that's where you're going to end up. And I'll guarantee you, you know, for those, you know, Jesus might be coming, let's not worry about this stuff. They're all going to die of old age or from some other way. They're not going to Or be, suddenly. Or suddenly, right. Yeah, I mean, I think we've got uh, thousands and thousands of years before we experience the beauty of, of the resurrection. And uh, anything in between is, is uh, biblical. So, um, this is how it will be. What have you spent your life building and to whom are you leaving it? I think that makes sense. What is man's purpose? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Some men run after material things. And that was Jesus' point when he said, you know, the Gentiles run after those things. You seek first the kingdom of God. I think things changed, right, with the fall and with God's, God's kingdom. I think things changed. We're supposed to be living with a, a sword in our hand and, and a trowel in our other hand. We're supposed to build and protect and fight you know, to bring about Christ's kingdom in the earth. God's kingdom is paramount. Monetary wealth will be a tool to advance it. For some, this sort of wealth will be greater. For others, monetary wealth will be provided at subsistence levels and their best tools. Their wealth will be different. For all wisdom, obedience, and human capital is required and is the best wealth of all. And I tell you, that is is wealth. And um, uh, yeah, there's some moth and rust going on here too. But that is wealth. And I got even so a better strange. cool picture than this. But yeah. All right, that just looks like Jack personality, and Abby's got her little eye thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Calvin's smiling. <laughs> she sees that smile. So that those are my four things together, Jeremy and I think everybody else in this purpose. But that's that's the key. And I, and I remember a guy came here with his family years ago. One of his concerns was, man, I just seen, you know, he was homeschooled and his dad and he just seen I just seen some some kids that go out for once they reach that age, it's like they just start lacking. I mean, they're just so against they, they grew up all, all real nice and, and pleasant in church and so on. They sat nice and everything. Then when they when they reach that that stage, they went to Hellraiser. Uh, uh, he goes, I don't want that. I, said, I agree. I think you gotta invest your time in your kids because uh, you, you don't want them to become. And then of course this is uh, an old work picture when we all grew mustaches. Uh, this is Andy when Andy worked for the company. Remember that picture? Mm -hmm. Look at that. Do I look like look like the coach for the? Um, <laughs> Christians, and it's the handout I gave you, it's separate from this, and I won't read through those all because of time, uh, but here's the, here's your four wealthy Christians, and whatever you think of the people, it's, it's not. Uh, that's Richard, Richard Wormbrandt, okay, he's, he's the one who suffered at the hands of communism, they spoke against it as a, as a pastor, they locked him up in jail, uh, 14 years, they tortured him. Three years, he was in solitary confinement. Okay, when he was finally released, the church, you know, actually negotiated to get him released and then got him to America to get away from, so he could teach against communism from here. And I think Martyrs, uh, what is it, the place that Muchiolos used to, Voice of the Martyrs was founded upon which Richard Wernbrand and his, and his ministry. Uh, very rich in, in wealth and godliness. Would you rather be in his position in, in God's kingdom, or would you rather be in the position of the head of McDonald's or something? <laughs> you know, I'm not speaking against the head of McDonald's. I'm just saying, what is what is wealth again? You, you've got to really invest on all fronts. 
that's J.C. Penny, uh, James Dash Penny, uh, Penny Stores that uh, uh, he, he grew up and uh, he, uh, what did he say, he wasn't a Christian for so long. He had built his little empire up for a, for a bit, and, and then he was losing everything. The, the depression hit. He, he he got into great great debt from it. He also um, his his family was was becoming dissolved. His wife was ready to leave him, and uh, he just was going crazy with the pressure. And he committed himself to a senate senatorium, right? At that those days, and. Uh, but he could hear from the chapel uh, a certain song that you know reminded him of his childhood, and, and I will be with you, I will be whatever uh, the song was, and he thought on it, reflected on it so much that he it like converted him, and he, he came back out and and ran his stores into profitability again, paid back his debts, and um, wouldn't wouldn't have the stores open on Sundays, made sure that that wasn't going to be the case, and his. his Pursuit was always the golden rule. He says, I want people in his obituary or his will, I want people to know me uh, as a Christian, not as a merchant. And I thought, well, that's, that's impressive. Uh, Henry Heinz, this is a German uh, lad who was brought up speaking German by his mother. And there was a word that they used about him because he became so meticulous and careful about his details and so on. That I thought, that's Tracy. This is, this is how Tracy is about things. She's very like, did you think about this? Did you do that? Did you take care of you know, and there is a word for it. I cannot find out what that word is, Tracy. It's a good word. It's a positive word, not a nitpicky one. No, it really is. And so I'm going to, but anyway, he grew up and he started with a garden. You know, his folks would let him have a little piece of garden. He planted and he'd go out and sell, sell, sell the vegetables. Enough so that he actually bought more of the land from his folks and he turned it into his little business. Horseradish was his thing. Eventually, he got involved with some other guy, and they had a horseradish company, which some of this will tell you in the newspaper. Um, and, and they actually had clear bottles because people would put horseradish stuff in there, horseradish, like Woodstock and stuff, that wasn't really horseradish because people didn't know. They tried it, and it would be. But he said, nope, we want clear glass. You're going to see it's all horseradish, you know, just different little things like that. That company went out of business, and uh, unfortunately, he had made a, a commitment to many of the farmers to buy their crop whole, wholeheartedly, um, but then it was a boom crop year, whatever, and he couldn't afford it. And he got a, a bad name because he was breaking contract uh, or whatever. And then he started afterwards the kind of ketchup, you know, the ketchup uh, idea company. Uh, and, uh, but to, to get that going, he spent every minute paying back those people that, that he had owed debt to first and foremost because he, it was an obligation he had, uh, a moral obligation, to, to return to them what he was being accused of as being uh, a contract breaker. So uh, there was something else Neat said about um, Heinz that I don't remember. But, it, oh, I think I have the quote, one of the quotes. He says, uh, at the beginning of his will, Heinz wrote, I desire to set forth at the very beginning of this world the most important item in it, a confession of my faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. He went on tour to England, and the stops he made were at the graves of John Bunyan, Isaac Watts, and John Wesley, all real good Reformed uh, Christians. Before my knowledge. So, uh, 
I gotta take a break. And I know we're running low on time. If you need a five minute bathroom break, grab a cup of coffee, orange juice, donut, and then just come right back here and uh, hopefully we'll finish up like half an hour. specific and probably uh, the reason why uh, many of us thought this, what this would be about and, and it will be more about this in, in uh, the, the next four meetings but uh, what are the ways to create it and I think there are some basic ways that you can create wealth that way and one as I mentioned earlier primarily for people who have been income you work for somebody as a company and you get paid you know and uh, 
if you buy some things or you invest in some some things, you pay down debt, you have a house, maybe you pay it off, maybe you, you buy a piece of land or you, 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 you try to find ways of storing that wealth and uh, maybe growing it on the side. But most people, I think, make, make their their source of wealth, uh, monetary wealth from their income. But there's also, you can start your own company or companies, which I like to say affectionately to my wife and children. And they go, no, we're not doing that. When I'm dead, Purcell, then you can start another company. <laughs> it can be a small one. No. Yeah, I think it can be a lot of fun. A real estate, I, uh, Paul Heising, I, I, I kind of hope he'd be here today, uh, maybe in the future. Uh, but he's, he's somebody who has rental properties, okay? He purchased a house here, purchased a house there, rents them out. I think that's certainly a, a stream of income. And uh, it, it is probably the way, what do they say, that uh, Ray Kroc, isn't he the guy who is his greatest wealth, McDonald's person? His greatest wealth was the land that the places uh, that they built the McDonald's restaurants on. That's how he made his most wealth, because he bought the parcel of land that the franchisee had to build upon. And so, uh, which is interesting. Okay. Uh, buying and selling investments, okay, 401k, you're investing in other people's companies, basically, uh, that is a way to, to build wealth. Um, uh, right now, in the last year or so, it's been a really good way to build wealth, but that can go down down the tubes as well, and, and you could lose a lot of your uh, future investment, which they found out in 2007, 2008, when people thought, oh, I'm, I'm close to retiring, and then they realized, well, I guess I'm not retiring for a while, because the little nest egg had kind of gone up in, in smoke. But, um, I, I say that those things we'll deal with in future, in future classes. I do have... I purchased only six. I didn't really know who'd be here and what they would want to do. But one of my favorite authors is a guy named uh, Michael Masterson. This is his pen name. His name is Mark Ford. And he's written books that I've really just taken advantage of, you know. And uh, in this one, Automatic Wealth, he gets into basically all of those different ways of creating wealth, um, from investments to increasing your income to... Uh, real estate and um, and even starting companies. He started so many companies that have gone into six six figures, which is millions, right? Uh, quickly. And, and a lot of them have been internet based, newsletter publishing type companies and, and so be it. But um, his name is also on that advertising uh, I mean that uh, copywriting course I took. But I am a big fan of his. He's got a formula in here if you're going to buy because you want to rent properties. This is the formula. you got to make sure you're going to make the money and that you're going to be able to, to grow it. And so he's got a formula. He applies any property that's out on the market before they even consider buying. And it has to do with the insurance of it, and the loan amount, which he could do if they were going to lease them. It wasn't a um, RRP, but that's fine. Uh, but also uh, what, you, what you're going to have to do for maintenance, you know, a certain ratio for maintaining the house, et cetera, et cetera, uh, upkeep. And then uh, he says, if it doesn't meet those numbers, I don't care how much I, I look at the price and want it, I'm not buying it. And, and so I, I, I bought six of these, and I, I got them as, as three gifts. 
Um, if you're not going to be a reader of a book, don't take it. Okay? And eat only one per family. And if I need to buy more, I will. If you are going to be a person who would who would read it tomorrow, if they could listen to it, let me know. I'll buy you an audio um, automatic book. But I would hope that this would be looked at and read in the next three months so that uh, when we come back here, we can use terms or refer to things that wouldn't be news to you. So uh, happily, one family, if you're going to read it. And if not, and if you want an audio book, let me know and I'll, I'll do that. If you want to buy your own, feel free. But uh, I think he's great. He also wrote a book called uh, Six Six Years, no, Seven Years and Seven Figures, right? And take it, just keep in mind, he's not a Christian necessarily, right? He may be, I don't know. Some of his thoughts, you know, you, you probably would find like, oh, I don't agree with that at all. Great, I don't I do that with all my reading. Um, but what he shares is, is got great value if you're looking for uh, one of these avenues to create wealth. So... Also, these other books, I, I put resources at the end of this thing. Uh, that You May Prosper is a book based on the covenant of God, just the covenant of God, you know, the five points of the covenant. Um, God's transcendent, he owns it all, and it's, it's not, you know, it sounds like a, a, a name it, claim it, wealth book. It's not that at all. It's just a solid book giving you a reinforcement that, you know, you're in it with God, God's in it. And it's important. Dave uh, Ramsey book. I mean, we've all kind of pretty much crossed paths at some point or heard of Dave Ramsey. Uh, I'm 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 a big uh, uh, believer in saying, "Pray down your debt." You know, having the steps to eventually build wealth and get into charitable giving. Um, I think he's done great things. Uh, and Andy and Jenny uh, could probably give you other resources that way. The Good of Affluence. I haven't quite finished reading this book. I went on the shelf. I've got about 12 like that right now that are <laughs> in the midst of reading. But uh, he makes a great argument for, for Christians to, to kind of wake up to this idea that wealth is not a bad thing. Quit treating it like it's some kind of a, a wicked thing that's dirty and worldly and carnal. He says, you just got to understand it properly. John Schneider. It's just very good. I've never heard of him before uh, hearing about the book and getting it. And then tithing in the church. If you don't tithe, uh, I mean, if you don't tithe 10% of your, at least of your net, I would argue your net income. Other uh, people would argue your gross income. Um, uh, I could explain that another time. But uh, you're already working against yourself. And, 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 and you can't expect God to bless you. And we'll get to that more. But North makes a good uh, uh, argument for the tithing should go to the church. And the church, you should hold accountable and be accountable in that church so that it, it supports other organizations, perhaps. And then the church is directing society and, and, and Christian charitable causes more than, um, more than it isn't. Because right now, it seems like because the church hasn't done all we've wanted it to do, I'm speaking generically church, right? We decided, well, I'm just going to give my money someplace else. And so we take the teeth away from the church, right? God says, you know, that these people have been responsible, deacons and elders, to make godly decisions. We should hold them accountable and ask them to support some of these organizations we think are doing 
good job with the kingdom of God. As a church, we can support. So we've done that. We've taken offerings for missionaries to the preborn and a handful of other uh, ministries. We could put more money to those things if we wanted to. You can give to those things through the church, even in some cases, <clears throat> that you want to support. North makes an argument, it goes to the church. Offerings above tithes, you go wherever you want with that. It's your money, right? But uh, I think he makes a, a good argument, and I'm a big fan of Gary North. All right, so you can't take those books, by the way. Write them down as references. And this is my automatic wealth. You can't take this with me either. Oh. All right. Well, I don't Okay, F, F, F is this is somebody who goes, okay, yeah, well, that all sounds real good and everything, but it's not going to matter because this society is going down the tubes. Okay, maybe. You never know, right? Worst things have happened. What if times get tough and you lose monetary wealth? It happened in an individual way to both Heinz and Penny, completely broke. What if the society and the way the way that the, the politicians are making decisions with money just kind of wipes out uh, capitalism? I mean, what if it just that the printing press press uh, action of money uh, money making money making I guess printing devalues a lot of what you thought you had in your mattress? But, uh, so, I mean, this is a possibility. And I want to talk a little bit about that. Job's example found in Job uh, chapter 1, 20 through 22. Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Job was one of the richest men in, in the valley. In the land, he had children, he had livestock, he had land, and everything was like he was the most of blessing. He was a very godly man too, so it, it, it kind of went hand in hand. It seemed. Then all of a sudden, you know the story. The devil says, "Well, if you took over your hand, blessing the Lord, the Lord, then he wouldn't be honoring you." So he allowed Satan to uh, to wipe some of those things out, and uh, Job was himself. Filled with boils, his wife was no longer the Proverbs 31 woman he, he hoped she'd be. And uh, she was saying, Curse God and die. And he said, Never. Not how I roll. So, anyway, uh, he passes the test of faith and um, God restores David double what he had prior to his trial. Um, in Lamentations 5 2. Jeremiah says our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. That kind of thing could happen. What if the current culture loses monetary wealth? Could it happen? What would you do? Just throw that out there as an open question for just a second. What would you do? Walk to Bob's house. <laughs> That's what that says. Too far. You got no gas in your thing. Oh, you're probably close to that. I mean, what, what kinds of things would you start to think about doing if, if the uh, economy started really taking a hit? What would be your first concern? I think you just think of anything that people might need, right? That, you know, 
Grow extra food so I have a garden or whatever. But you know, any time when the economy or government gets too strong, the black market rises. It will come to the point where people can't even feed or provide their families. Government rises up and then the whole black market comes out Yeah, and who's to blame anyway? Yeah, well, the thing is, the government comes to a choice. Responsibility before God. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's a fine line when you put people in a fight with a family, every kid has to have two cars and stuff. You can't be realistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody else add to that? Uh, yeah. And then in part, they're saying that they really like deep down to prepare because they're, um, there's becoming a shortage in certain areas where they're prepared for next year. For the planting season. When this whole uh, uh, COVID scare started, and this is still legitimate, and we are all wondering what, what does this mean? Uh, I mean, I, I, I suggested the one one of our families. Yeah, I, I think not have a couple trips to the grocery store, or have your wife just get some canned goods, get some stuff. You don't know where this could go. Mm -hmm. It says, you know, the Bible all says, be like an ant, prepare for the future, the unknown. I think, uh, I remember uh, a friend's dad who was growing up in the Depression. And well, my, my dad, his saying, oh, well, you could buy crap out of pepper and get paid. Whatever it took. Because yeah. there was no jobs. And I remember Tom's dad, he grew up and he said, whenever there's overtime, you take it. Because he said, you never know when it's going to go away. Yeah. He said, it went away so quick during the Depression that people weren't prepared. And that was 40 years or 30, 40 years after the fact that so ingrained in yeah. you know, you prepare and you, you know, have the opportunity to work now, you do it. Prepare. Well, didn't you say that your Tom's dad's mother had bread in the morning? Yeah, I mean, during the Depression, he, when I'd go over there, he'd show his wife and say, what do you want for breakfast? Well, I'll just have the Depression breakfast. It was a piece of bread with milk on it. Yeah. And I asked him, he said, that's what we had three days of times a day, oh, really? a month at a time. Oh, really? And he said, until you, unless somebody shot something or something, he said, that's, that they're progressive, they're uh, stable. Stable. Yeah. Milk and bread. Jerry? I was just going to say, Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Uh, absolutely. 
our life smaller and our house smaller and vice versa. I don't know if I'll ever be in this environment, so I probably won't <laughs> probably start bartering a lot with me. <laughs> okay, like right. Now, yeah, know. right, right. Yeah. Well, oh, that's there's something to that. I mean, you start bartering our, our skills. Well, we're gonna The, the, uh, uh, one of the books that I was listening to was uh, When Money Dies. It was about the death of currency in German, Germany and Austria back uh, after the First World War. And they said it didn't really matter how skilled you were at some. People were really skilled and they were high paid or whatever. When it, when it got really bad, they were all just another person puts his pants on the same way you do. And he's probably less capable than you are at some of the things that really matter all of a sudden. keep going and uh, uh, I, I am kind of like up against the hour here so I don't know how <laughs> people are feeling about it. If I re real quick uh, you gotta leave, you can leave. That's, that's fine. I, I just want to get through this stuff. Uh, Post-World War One Germany communities created their own form of monetary notes. Actually it got so bad that they uh, they took 100 pounds of, of potatoes and they started making mon money that represented the, the potatoes locally. So we don't care about the mark, the German mark. Here's what you can do and move in a packet with potatoes. So they had a medium of exchange, and it wasn't just potatoes, but it was based upon a farming. That money, uh, when money dies, is uh, by Adam Ferguson. It was written uh, uh, about 20 years ago. 
hyperinflation, get Great Depression, whatever the situation is, it changes the value of things and skills. A last resort mindset leads to the types of things people do in times of financial depression. This is something that this list I'm giving is what Tracy's coming up with in her life. Renting room and board, sewing and repairing and laundering clothes, auto mechanic, bike repair, rubber tires, food production, gardening, cows and chickens, canning lids, etc. These are things that you maybe want to you know think about having. Upper classes do not know these skills. They give away clothes because they need repair or handwork. Okay, this is something she remembered hearing. I don't know, did you hear that from somebody or did you see it in your own personal experience? Ladder? Okay. There is wisdom in keeping a food pantry at all times. I had a buddy in high school, his dad would always have a food pantry. And it was always like, what are you, a survivalist or something? No, it was just something he learned. You know, you just, as long as you keep rotating your, your canned goods, why not have have a, a month's work sitting somewhere in your house or whatever? It didn't go it didn't go bad. No matter if God allows for wealth to be built again, you still stick to the basics. Okay, you love and obey Him and seek His kingdom and righteousness first. Then you set about taking dominion. Even if you got wiped out to nothing, you start building again. P.T. Barnum, I mentioned. J.C. Penney, these guys just go about it. If our nation or community gets hit alongside the head and gets knocked over, you stand up, brush off your feet, get your senses about you, and just start start again, no matter if God allows it. Uh, ultimately, destruction won't win. It cannot win. God brings his people back for the purpose of his son. God told the prophet Jeremiah to buy a piece of land, though times were about to get really bad. Why should I go buy a piece of land? Because I'm back to the land, you'll have it. Okay? So, it's not, uh, never think it's over just because it's really bad. It's just, it's just house cleaning that's going on. It's God's house cleaning. So then, does it really belong to you? Cattle on a thousand hills, the world and its fullness are mine, it says in Psalm 50, 11 and 12. Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine, Job 41.11, even people with all their skills and callings belong to him. Look at the next point. The Lord said to Moses, see, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting and carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Oholiab, the son of Ahishaman, of the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. So not only, uh, who do we think we are? I mean, all that we are, God has given us. He has gifted us with these things. What do you think you have that has not been given to you? So, not only is it rewarding knowing people can make living working for a company, but it's rewarding supporting Christian enterprises, which is age, funding prices, work, tithe and offerings, and everything, every square inch of what you own and do, all human activity is God's and is should be committed to God. I wrote this sitting in a pew, right? You can't hardly see it. Bob was preaching, no doubt, because if I'm writing in my bulletin, there's a reason. This is a, something I scratched down. Do you really want your investments to pay off? 
then commit your earnings and wealth to buy stock in God's business. And I think that's, if nothing else comes from this first meeting, let that be what comes from it. We've got to understand that. If this is all about you, building up your little kingdom, good luck. You know, you'll, you'll figure it out at some point. Hopefully it's not after you're gone because then it's a little late to invest and in, in, in work for the things that really matter. Funding Christ's words, uh, in your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you, if you don't bring the tithe into the storehouse. You are robbing God. Make sure that's done first and foremost. Uh, the fruit that increases to your credit, uh, this is uh, Paul speaking to the Philippians about them supporting him. Okay, that It is the, the fruit that they were giving that increases to their credit Okay, because they were him in Christ's kingdom. Any thoughts or questions or concerns or disagreements? I wish it was more of this or that. Sorry for talking too much. <laughs> what is your ideas for next next? Okay, one? so the little bulleted thing, right? Uh, the proper streams of wealth creation will be a lot of those things that are mentioned in this book and just discussing those a little bit more, hope, hopefully getting people's experiences in. Okay, we're talking about a company as one of the proper streams, giving some of your initial experiences, you know, how it's changed their lives, etc. If it's about rentals, how, you know, tell us, you know, what were the biggest pitfalls or whatever. Um, uh, and then uh, the, the following one gets more specific. It's really going to get into company. What are, you, what are you even talking about when you start a company? Uh, another book by Masterson is called Ready, Ready Fire Aim, which I love. I love the title because he's not like overthinking the business before he's seeing he can even start a business by selling selling things. And I, I really I like it a lot. I think Lydia hates that title. Am I right? Yeah, <laughs> Tracy would absolutely hate that. But um, and then the real estate will be, uh, you know, that whole thing will be the, the, the fourth time, and then trusts and inheritance uh, the last time. Every three months, I figure this is that's something that you want to think about. If uh, if you want to come to the next one, then you can expect it's me less talk about three months. From Lord, thank you for uh, this group of people, and I pray that we would become more effective for your kingdom in, in how we live our daily life. Lord, we understand that your church is uh, is the exalted bride that you continue to clean and make uh, more and more worthy uh, of, of the high calling. We pray that we, as church people, as uh, people that go about uh, in, in this earth as kingdom advancers, seeking your kingdom first, that you would bless us, that, that we would be obedient to you, honor you, so that we might be able to deal effectively with the wealth that you allow us to create, which it says also, Lord, in, in Moses' words, just ask that um, you use us and may we get to know each other better so we can benefit from one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much.